Law of Self-Defense content you are about to enjoy is presented for general educational purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice. If you are in need of legal advice, consult competent legal counsel in the relevant jurisdiction. Welcome to our ongoing coverage of the Minnesota murder trial of Derek Chauvin over the in-custody death of George Floyd. I am attorney Andrew Branker for Law of Self-Defense, providing guest commentary and analysis of this trial for legal insurrection. As a reminder, I am live parlaring the trial in real time over at parlor.com. You can find me there using my parlor handle at Law of Self Defense, no spaces. Today, the Chauvin court conducted voir dire on an additional seven prospective jurors. Of these, only one was seated on the jury, number 96. She's a female. That makes her the 13th seated juror, so the court needs one more. And we'll have more details on number 96 in a moment. Four more prospective jurors, number 99, 103, 110, and 113, were excused for cause, mostly a professed inability to serve impartially. Usually, this was disclosed during initial preliminary discussions with Judge Cahill and without even requiring questioning by the party's lawyers. One prospective juror, number 109, a male, was struck by the state in the belief that he would be partial in favor of the defense. This leaves the state with three remaining peremptory strikes. A bit more on number 109 in a moment. Conversely, prospective juror number 111 was struck by the defense in the belief that he would be partial in favor of the state. This leaves the defense with five remaining peremptory strikes. And again, more on number 111 in a moment as well. On Monday at 9 a.m. Central Time, the court will continue voir dire again. With 13 jurors currently seated, only one more juror is needed to have the required 12 plus two alternates. Hopefully that can be done on Monday. Opening arguments in the case are set for Monday, March 29th, and the trial is anticipated to take four weeks plus deliberations, although, of course, this is largely a guess. Let's circle back now to juror number 96, female who was seated as the 13th juror in this trial. Uh, She described herself as a dog lover and an advocate for affordable housing in Minnesota. She had a modest concern for her safety if on the jury, but did not believe it would be sufficient to sway her to a particular verdict. She agreed that two people who viewed the same event could have different perceptions of it and that this difference could be driven by past experiences and training. Asked if she could arrive at a verdict based only on the evidence in court and if she could apply the law as instructed, even if she disagreed with that law or thought it should be changed, she indicated that she could. In her questionnaire, number 96 had described her understanding of the events of Floyd's death as him being claimed to have passed a counterfeit bill. The police were called to the scene. Several bystanders expressed concerns during the arrest, asking officers to get off Floyd and that their restraint to Floyd was responsible for Floyd's demise. When asked by defense counsel Nelson if she had concluded that restraint was the cause of Floyd's death, number 96 indicated that she had, but based only on the video. She also agreed that the burden was on the state to prove cause of death and that the video told only a snippet of what happened. Juror number 96 also wrote in her questionnaire that she was sad that a person's life was lost over a counterfeit bill and that that thing should have happened differently. But she agreed that she didn't know what happened prior to the restraint if there was a confrontation prior, for example. When asked by defense counsel, however, she professed she was open to the notion that once informed of police training and procedures, she might conclude that what was done by officers was proper. 
She believes police in her community made her feel safe and she was against defunding the Minneapolis Police Department. She had a positive view of Black Lives Matters and also a positive view of Blue Lives Matter. At this point in voir dire, the court went not just off audio, but completely in camera, meaning even courtroom spectators and media were, were removed to discuss some sensitive matter with number 96. This discussion, of course, we don't know what it is, but it took quite some time, about 27 minutes. But obviously, whatever it was, wasn't ultimately fatal to her being seated as a juror. Upon questioning by Prosecutor Schlesher, number 96 stated that to a certain extent, the way a police officer treats a suspect is a function of how that suspect treats the police officer. She also noted that if a suspect was not complying with an officer's lawful orders, obviously the officer would have to take steps to address that. That said, she acknowledged that bad behavior by a suspect did not license the officer to use whatever force he wanted or felt like. She also thought it important to understand the proper procedures for use of force by officers and to determine whether those had been followed in any particular case. On whether she thought the criminal justice system treated blacks and whites equally, she somewhat believed that it did not, but that this disparity was largely based on economic rather than racial reasons. Interestingly, when Prosecutor Schleider pressed her on the question of whether she believed that if someone couldn't breathe, did that mean that they uh, wouldn't be able to say they couldn't breathe? A line of questioning he'd used on previous prospective jurors. But this time, Judge Cahill asked for a sidebar, and that line of questioning was sharply limited by the court. Obviously, here the state is claiming that Floyd was asphyxiated by chest and neck compression. But for almost the entirety of his restraint, Floyd was speaking. If one believes breathing is required for speaking, then clearly Floyd was breathing while he was speaking. Ultimately, in any case, both the defense and state passed for cause, meaning she was acceptable to both of them, at which time juror number 96 was seated as the 13th juror in this trial. And as usual, I've embedded the video of her voir dire in the text version of today's content. Let's circle back down to juror number 109, who was struck by the state. Won't spend much time on this, uh, but I'll include it in the interest of completeness. Prospective juror number 109 surely put himself in the prosecution's crosshairs when he announced that he thought that the officers who responded to the Floyd call were applying their training. Also, that the notion of defunding the police was, as he said, idiotic. He also noted that since the incident, crime in Minneapolis had exploded out of control, was still out of control, and that he didn't see any police in his community any longer when they used to have quite a presence. As an aside, he lives not far from where Floyd's death occurred, and the nearby riots had genuinely scared him. He also had some family members who were in law enforcement, although no one terribly close, and he claimed this would not prevent him from being impartial. Ultimately, however, the state professed that they perceived number 109 as being evasive on the question of whether he would favor police testimony. The state attempted to challenge for cause, which Judge Cahill denied, and so they removed number 109 using one of their peremptory challenges, leaving them with three remaining challenges. And again, I've embedded the voir dire of Juror 109 in the text version of today's content. And finally, let's cover Juror 111, who was struck by the defense. He was a college student majoring in rhetoric who self-described himself as being heavily tattooed, as has become the pattern in these situations. Number 111 professed his ability to be fair and impartial in this case, 
but was quickly exposed as partial and as having many red flags when the defense stepped through his questionnaire responses. In particular, it turns out that following Floyd's death, prospective juror number 111 had marched in protest demanding that Chauvin, the defendant, be fired, criminally charged, and brought to trial. He'd also participated in protests carrying a sign that said, no justice, no peace. In the questionnaire, number 111 also expressed the opinion that the officers in general had, quote-unquote, caused Floyd's death, that Floyd had died, quote-unquote, with his face in the street, and that the event had at least, quote-unquote, opened a conversation about racism and police. Prospective juror number 111 described conversations he's had with friends and family in which he characterized the force used against Floyd as excessive and that how Floyd was treated by Minneapolis police was indicative of how black men in America were treated by police generally. When asked by defense counsel if he believed that the police are racist, juror number 111 answered, not inherently. When asked if the police are systemically racist, number 111 had a long pause, then said that counsel would need to be more specific. I guess that's some of that rhetoric education he's getting right there. When asked if Minneapolis Police Department was racist, number 111 responded, not as a whole. If asked specifically if Mr. Chauvin in particular was racist, number 111 responded, I'm not sure. Asked that given that he'd apparently formed the opinion that defendant Chauvin was racist, would he be able to set that belief aside and be a fair and impartial juror? Number 111 actually answered yes. At this point, the court recessed for its afternoon break and 24 minutes later returned and to no one's surprise, the defense promptly used a peremptory strike to remove juror 111. This leaves the defense with five remaining peremptory strikes. And again, I've included the voir dire, the video of the voir dire of prospective juror 111 in the text version of today's content. That's all I have for you today, folks. I hope you all have a great and safe weekend. We'll be back covering this court case live on Monday, 9 a.m. Central Time. And until then, I'm attorney Andrew Branker for Law of Self-Defense. Stay safe.